From the Shumway Theater in downtown Rockford, this is the Guilty Pleasures Podcast, presented by Rockford Writers Guild. Here's your host, Connie Coons. Hi, everyone. It's Connie Kuntz, and you are listening to the Gildy Pleasures Podcast. It's June, and Molly McNett is back in the Shumway studio, this time with a new story from her novel, One Dog Happy. Hello, Molly. Hi, Connie. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. Could you please tell us what you're going to read today? Okay. Um, this is a short story. It's called Ozzy the Burrow. Is there anything you would like your listeners to know about Ozzy the Burrow before we begin? Well, I guess um, one thing they might want to know before listening is that it's an epistolary story. So um, that means that it's uh, a story composed of letters, and the letters only, uh, they're one-sided. They only come from one person, and you have to imagine the letter that might have been received in between. I love the epistolary style, and I love this story, so let's go. Okay. Ozzy the Burrow. Dear Will, my name is Grace. I'm glad you liked my picture. Maybe there are other women who sent you pictures and you're writing to them too. I only chose yours. I understand either way, but please tell me if you are writing to others. You said, a truthful relationship is the most important thing. This is the most important thing to me, too. In my life, there has not been enough of that. In fact, I'll start by saying that I'm correcting this a lot as I go. My spelling is poor, and I'm using the computer to help with it. I have grammar check on, too, but some things it marks don't make sense to me, or if it slows me down too much, I start to ignore it. I did not finish high school. I am currently working on a GED equivalency. I want to be truthful about that and a few other things. I think if you like me, you'll like me whether I have high school or college or not and any other things I might tell you here, and vice versa. I tried to spell that visa versa, an example that shows you the kind of mistakes. Anyway, I hope you'll like that I'm truthful, which was why I picked you, not that I didn't like the picture. I was not picturing someone like you at first, but you look like a very good, solid person and carry your weight well. I don't mean to offend you. I am not perfect, and here are some things related to that. First, I am 40. This is not young, but you said I did look young. In fact, the picture I sent was maybe taken quite a while ago, before I actually needed false teeth. Now, just recently, I got fitted for the teeth and they came in, but I didn't get them in time for the recent picture they wanted and did send an old one. Also, my hair is still long, but in the picture it was only a little gray, now it is all gray. So, I will send you another picture so you can judge better. I didn't do this to lie in any way, only that I really just got the false ones and wanted to be smiling in the picture. You probably think 40 is young for false teeth. I won't go into why I needed them, only that it wasn't related to brushing, which I do, but with not getting to the dentist when some people could have. They look pretty natural. I only got them recently, in fact, and it's because my dad died that I had enough money to get them and this computer that I'm writing to you on. I suppose it gave me the courage to try this service that we're trying. You say that you are divorced. Do you mind me asking why? I never married. I have a son who is 25 and does okay for himself but still lives with me. My son has a girlfriend, and she is expecting. She lives with us here for the moment. I don't have a husband because I had my son when I was 15, and his father was also my father. My son is not retarded at all. He's normal. I'm sorry if that knocks the blank out of you. I don't like people who tell you everything at first either. I wasn't sure if I should say it. I typed it in and deleted and then typed it in again and then finally I thought that it was something you might discover after a long time and then say, "Arg!" 
parentheses, no spelling available, parentheses, and run in the other direction. That, or the teeth, maybe the teeth even more so. I can type pretty fast. I began typing in high school. I did stop high school when I had my son, but I always read the newspaper and a lot of books, and sometimes I look things up when I read, words and things. I read mysteries mostly. If you'd rather not keep emailing or meet me at this point, it's okay. I just wanted to get it out on paper, though email isn't paper. I like it, though. I think it lets me say what I wanted to say. Sincerely, Grace. Dear Will, thanks for your email. I'm glad that you liked the new picture. My son scanned it for me at his girlfriend's work. He's smart about a lot of things. His ACT was high enough for college, but he didn't want to go right away. He worked and then waited a little too long, and now he has his girlfriend and so on. You say that your wife went behind your back. That's a terrible thing, so it's no wonder that you don't want to rush into anything. Does this mean that you don't want to write to me anymore, or just that you don't want to meet me right away? When you say that the other women who you got were ridiculous, what do you mean? I guess I'm happy for it, but I wonder what you think counts as ridiculous in a woman. Yesterday, after I got your letter, I saw the neighbors pull out of their driveway. I knew they'd be gone all weekend, so I went over and bounced on their trampoline. I was bouncing and laughing like a crazy woman. Do you think that's ridiculous? Like I say, I'm 40, but my knees are good, and I think I could climb a tree if I wanted. I'm pretty small in build. When you say, I seem to be totally honest, I'm glad. That's what I'm trying to be when I write to you, but in life, too. And I think I could tell you something honestly. I wouldn't ever cheat on somebody. I'm not saying I couldn't have fights or differences with somebody, and I would not say I'd never break up with somebody, but I wouldn't go behind somebody's back. I also want to say something else. You say that the man your wife cheated with was normal weight, but you know those are not the reasons people really cheat. Why she did it doesn't, asterisk, have anything to do with that, I bet. Parentheses, asterisk, I wrote, it don't, and the checker corrected me. Exclamation point. Parentheses. When you really love someone, they can be 300 pounds and you'll still love them. If you are 300, I don't mean that's the limit. You don't have to say you're sorry about what happened to me. It gave me Lorny, and he's the best thing that ever happened to me in a lot of ways, so I can't be sorry. I won't say that it wasn't hard, and I felt about as down as a person could get many, many times. I bet it shocked you that I told you it. In some ways, I thought you wouldn't write back. Maybe it was a test. I want to say something else. Nobody else knows what I told you. There was my dad, of course, and he's dead now. Sometimes people have rumored it, but my dad early on, when I got pregnant, told everyone there was some man I was running around with, and that was what people thought. Once some boys beat up Lorny and called him inbred, but I said of course it was nonsense. He wonders why his real dad wouldn't be curious about him, and that's painful for him, I think. But pain isn't the worst thing. Firstly, it shows you that you can stand things. Secondly, you understand more about everyone around you. They all suffer, and you see we're all the same in that way, and so on. You should remember this when your divorce really hurts you. That's enough of my story, and it's too much to vomit it all out right here. I don't want these letters to be just me vomiting my life out. Tell me something more about you. Sincerely, Grace. Dear Will, thanks for your email. I don't think baseball is boring, but I don't know much about it. I don't think people here even know the White Sox. Even now, all I see is Cubs hats, if I notice it at all. 
but I know they won the World Series, and that is the biggest deal in baseball. And one thing I did look at in the papers is the manager, Ozzy. I bet you like him because he says what he thinks. When he calls for that one pitcher, he puts his arms out wide to his sides and says, Give me the fat guy! That's pretty funny. That's no offense either, since that fat guy is a real great pitcher. Lorney says he throws 96 miles an hour sometimes. Jenks, Lorne told me, is his name. Then he asked me why was I interested in baseball anyway. I didn't tell him anything yet, but soon maybe I will tell him about you, and I hope we can all meet each other. About my dad dying. Yes, it was recent, just a month ago. You said you didn't know, quote, what's appropriate to say in that circumstance, end quote, and so on. It's actually funny if you stand back from it. I suppose they don't make cards in the store for this particular situation. I just now laughed out loud thinking how a card like that might be worded, but I won't repeat it here. I guess I felt some sadness. Things did change with my dad over the years. He started going to church after Lorne was born, and the pastor sent him to AA. In AA, he had to tell everybody he was sorry for things, including me. He spent all his time writing his journal and going to meetings and calling this other drunk who was also clean and helping him. I don't know if you know AA, but all the drunks call each other. It's a good system and everything, but the apologizing is what they make you do. The apology is for the drunk, not for the other one. The other one could be a tree standing there, or a post or something. There's something almost as selfish about someone like that in recovery as there is about someone falling down drunk all the time. But once he started AA, my dad never came near me again. And he treated Lorne very nice, and Lorne loved him. Something you might not understand is why I didn't try to get away and live somewhere else ever. At first, I guess I didn't know any better, and then Dad went to AA, and Lorne got older and really loved Dad like he might his own dad, which he was. You might have to forgive your wife. Until you do it, there is something always pinching at you. I don't remember my mom, but she went behind my dad's back and left and everything, I feel sure he never did forgive her and maybe ended up doing terrible things all going back to that. I guess everyone does terrible things. It's true that some are more terrible than others. Something a little terrible about me is how much I have enjoyed the money that Dad left behind. I do want a car and will get one soon, but my credit is not the best there is. So I got the phone set up by check and then quite a few brand new clothes and sneakers and my dental work and this computer like I told you. That has changed more than I can say. First of all, I'm writing to you. Did you know you can pay your bills right from your checking on the computer? Maybe everybody does this. I'm learning to do it. It feels good to pay them. I'll say that. Maybe you'll think this is strange, but I never dated anybody. When Lorne was small, I went to our pastor for counseling. That was the one who sent Dad to AA. He sat me down and told me he loved me and wanted to marry me. Then he tried something, too, but stopped when I told him to. He was about 50. He was very angry when I said no. This will sound like I'm complaining, but I didn't have a good opinion of men in general, and all these things confused it. I really did want to love someone. It wasn't that I didn't want to. Even when Dad was really sick, and that was the last two years, I somehow couldn't do anything about it. I had Lorne for company. Well, I'm not saying this very well. I'm glad I met you, or that I'm writing to you. But you shouldn't say that it's sad about Lorne. He is the best thing to happen to me, though what happened before it was the worst thing. I can't have one without the other, so I accept the first. He's a good boy, and I've tried so hard. 
I was really afraid he wouldn't turn out good, and this really gave me a lot to work on, actually. Everybody needs something to work on. All I wanted was for Lauren to turn out normal, and he did. My dream was for him to go to college, but you can't make your kids be everything for you. That's why I'm getting my own GED, because I don't want to be bitter with him. He's kind and respectful to adults, and I want him to be happy for himself. I never asked if you had kids. Sincerely, Grace. Dear Will, It's interesting what you say, that this pitcher, Jenks, had a drinking problem. I suppose that means Ozzy was the one who gave him a second chance in life, really, and it goes to show you, one minute you can be down and the next things can turn around. You can be drunk in AAA, parentheses, am I right? I don't get the number of A's in terms of double or triple, end parentheses. And then a few months later, you're playing in the World Series. Someone just has to give you a chance. I'm sorry I asked if you have kids. Maybe it's too soon. As far as it goes for me, I'm almost a grandmother anyway, so I don't care about those problems, except that I can tell it pains you. I do care about that part. But even if it was your fault, it seems to me you should never think you are a failure, and you and your wife could have worked on it, since there is always somebody who needs love. People adopt kids or they take in foster kids. My sister and brother lived in some foster homes and they still love those people who took them in. Well, my brother does. He did well for himself and is a certified public accountant. We don't know where my sister is, and the last we knew she was out of her mind on drugs and probably on the streets, too. She lives in Chicago. I'm sure it's nowhere near your neighborhood. Here comes Lorny. Very truly yours, Grace. Dear Will, I know what you mean about trusting people. Sometimes I felt, too, that I never could again. If you can't trust family or even the pastor, then why bother? I'm sure you felt that about your wife. She shouldn't have done what she done, but now you just need to find someone you can trust. That person won't be her. That hurts you. Parentheses. Something wrong with that sentence, says computer. Oh, well, forget it. Parentheses. But all you need is one person you really can trust, and it will be okay again. I don't mean romantic. It can be a friend you trust. It's true you're not young, but at our age, you can look at it either way. Something can happen all of a sudden, and you get that hope again. That's the amazing thing in life, in my mind. For example, my dad died. And all the other things I talked myself out of over the years are coming back to me. I want to learn more things. I even want to travel to some places, maybe cities. And I want to love someone the real way. Parentheses. I'm thinking of you when I say it, I'll be honest. But don't let it scare you off. If it's not you, it will be okay with me. Parentheses. Anyways, I don't think 40 is old, at least not in how I feel now. People used to tell me I was pretty, and that stopped. Parentheses. The teeth were part of it, but not all of it, I think. Parentheses. But I feel so different now, and in a good way. Forty! I still have some life left, and I can start something new. Sometimes I even start to laugh from it. Does it make sense? I hope it's not all the money making me feel drunk. That would be shallow. And I hope it ain't you, bud. You might let me down. I'm just kidding around, of course. Do you like being outside? I really like it, to the point that I get depressed to come inside. I walk a lot. This started when I was young. I guess because I just wanted to be out of the house. The house was awful inside growing up, and my dad didn't let us have plants because his mom kept them in Folgers cans and let the cans rust and the plants die, and that gave him the idea that all plants was just eyesores. So I got lots of plants now, and I like it inside and out. But today there is snow on the ground, and the sun is shining, 
and along the river, you see the reflection of the trees with all the snow on the branches. Some little birds were swimming through the water, and you could see their paths perfect because the water was so still. Really, I feel like I never saw anything like this before. It's a happy day for some reason. Sincerely, Grace. Dear Will, I also have a boss who is younger than me, Lorne's age. The place where I work now, quality metal finishing, is good pay, but not steady. Lately, I have some kind of pimples on my face because of the grease I get on my hands. I wear gloves, but sometimes touch my face when I'm not paying attention. Your boss seems like he is mad about something in life and just taking it out on you. But I'll tell you something I did with this grumpy woman I worked with, and you can see if it helps. Put an extra Pop-Tarts in your bag lunch and slide it in his lunch when he's not looking. First of all, it's funny. He'll probably open up his bag and then look up and say, What the hell? And you can have a laugh to yourself, which will help. Second, he probably will eat it and maybe feel good in the end that someone did that. While you're working, it passes the time to think about things you might put in there. I always made them packaged goods, so there was no scare about poison or anything. This grumpy woman did get a little better. She would laugh to herself when she opened her lunch and shake her head. I got such a kick out of watching her eat the things, especially $100,000 bars. When she pulled those out of her bag, she'd say, Woo! like she really did strike the lottery. All this sounds silly, but it might actually work. And then, after work, maybe you can walk home. Sometimes that helps me. Of course, I don't have a car just now. What else would I do? But if you walk, by the time you're home, maybe you won't feel so mad. Yours, Grace. Dear Will, Today I bought a burrow. I paid a hundred and a half but he's worth it. Did you know something? He'll eat most anything. Lorne fed him little Debbie cakes, but also macaroni noodles. Give him a carrot, he bites it, and the rest falls out of his mouth to the straw, and he just looks at it like a dope. Give it back to him, he bites half of that and lets the rest drop like some baby that's figuring out what gravity is. He's got big gray ears with white fur inside them and a very soft mouth, but you can tell by his eyes he's not a thinker or anything. He's pretty short, just up to your hip maybe, and he's got long, shaggy gray hair on his forehead. If you pet him there on the brows, it's very thick and feels like lamb's wool. What else? Oh, his back is very swayed and crooked with a T marking. The vet said it's the sign of the cross. A sacred burrow is what they're called. Sacred. It was another one of those times I wished I was religious. I love that name so much and wish it meant a lot of things. This reminds me of something about burrows in general. I always wanted a burrow. And my dad said, they're not good for nothing. Parentheses. Yes, I know, computer. I'm quoting my dad here. Parentheses but I was just thinking what I should have said. They're good to look at. It's enough. Not everything should be of some use. People should have useless things and love them and maybe try more to love everything that way. Even their kids, too, not because they made them look good by going to college. Guess what? If you come to visit me, I'll let you name the burrow. Until then... I'll just call him after you. Parentheses. That's a threat. Parentheses. Bye for now. Grace. Dear Will, It might sound terrible to you, but even when Dad was very sick and dying, we didn't used to be able to open the door. Lorne fixed up the garage as another house and built a sort of passage from the garage to the house out of some old materials. Like a hall, I guess, but much colder in the winter. The garage sets to the side of the house and behind it. 
It was Lauren's first year in construction, and he didn't know much, so the passage is very lopsided. You can pass through it, though, but not standing up. So Lauren and Debbie stay in the garage side now where Dad was, and I'm in the other. When Dad died, I paid off most of the bills, but for a while before that, we didn't really answer the door, and when someone came to one door, we crawled through the passage to the other place and stayed there for a while. I don't know if you've ever been in debt. The kind where you don't answer the door, I mean. Anyway, today somebody drove up and I almost went to hide from that habit. It was the UPS man. So all of this is to say that I did get the pears and they are so delicious. I believe you are joking about them being for the burrow, but if not, I want you to know these pears are too good for burrows, sacred or not. Maybe you're not kidding, but still, I'll eat them myself. I don't know if you know it about me, but I love pears more than maybe any other fruit. So thank you. I like the fact that you send food and not flowers, too. I don't know why. Thanks again. Grace. Dear Will, I was surprised that you said your wife called but I'm glad you are honest about it, of course. I don't think you have to get my permission to meet with her since you never met with me. But it makes me realize that I would really like to meet you. Like I say, I don't have a car at the moment, but maybe you would like to come here. Or maybe you want to see what happens with your wife. Since you asked my opinion... If your wife didn't want to adopt kids, then I think you should have accepted that and not be angry. Well, I say this, and I do have my own child. When you have one, you love them, and they grow up, and then no girl they meet will ever be good enough for them. Debbie, Lorne's girlfriend, wants to be a dental hygienist. That will make money. I'll watch the baby once she's ready to train for that. I'm sure I'll enjoy that, and I can't wait to see the little baby. When I was pregnant, I almost never thought of Lorne and who he would be. Then he was born. I can't tell you what it was like. I can still remember how it felt to wake up and remember I had him. I was quite amazed. Does it make you feel bad when I say that? I don't know the pain of wanting a child and not having one. I'm sorry you have that. I'm glad you're walking home every day. Is it a little better? But why did you buy weights? Are you lifting them when you walk or after? It just occurred to me you might be doing it for your wife. Sometimes I think it's good that we're not meeting each other, and other times I have thought, I wonder why he doesn't want to meet me. I'll just say that I would like to when you feel like you're ready. I will say this too. Sometimes I feel so happy that I want to cry. The pears, for example. It has to do with you, but don't get a big head, mister. That's not all there is to it. I'll be walking along and I just feel happy. We live in what they call East Town because it's east of the town. Isn't that clever? I have to walk alongside the highway and cross a bridge over the river to get to the senior center where the GED classes are. There is one boy there who really can't spell. He makes me look like a Ph.D. He's Lorne's age, but to be honest, I don't think he'll ever read very well. He still does it out loud, and so all of us in the room can tell how slow it is. Sometimes I help him a little bit, because you can tell when he gets stuck. It's the worst feeling to wait for someone to sound out a word. When Lorne was learning, I almost felt irritated until the word came out. I was so anxious. Then one day, he was just off and running. He was only in first grade. All of a sudden, he could just do it. I had to hide my face sometimes. I was so proud of him. I didn't want him to think I didn't expect it. This is one happiness I have. I still think about Lorne reading, and I feel thrilled all over again. But this young man at the senior center just blows out very loud and sighs and shakes his head. I know his folks. They live in the trailer park. They're two normal people, mother and father, and married still. 
but he probably won't ever read. Also at the senior center, there's also a man as old as my grandpa was. I think he's retarded, but he comes every night. He smells like incontinence, and he gets pretty touchy if you get to his computer first, even though they have two and there's a 20-minute limit anyway. Sometimes I think some pretty dark thoughts where he's concerned. Like, Jesus Christ, I'm 40 years old and trapped in this smelly room every night, fighting with some uriny old codger, parentheses, spelling, okay, I know, parentheses, just to get my goddamn high school certificate. When the class is done, I walk back over the river. It's pretty at night that way, because the bridge is right downstream from the dam. East Town is the poor side, but nobody from the west side gets to cross the river home at night. Coming over the bridge, and if there's a moon on the water, is very pretty and hard to see in a car, I bet. It's cold at night, but I have this Carhartt coverall that used to be my dad's and some good work boots. I do look like a fool, but I'm practical, and I don't care. There are some Mexicans who work at the restaurant who sometimes walk across at night, too. And some have bikes, and they laugh and joke with each other in Spanish. So we're the ones who get to see the moon. When you come here, if you do, that's what you'll see. The house will look very small to you, I bet. Remember the neighbors with the trampoline? Well, they have a tiny little yellow house. You can't imagine there is possibly more than a room in it. Maybe there isn't. It looks especially small with the big RV outside and the big trampoline in front of it. Lots of people have nicer-looking cars in the driveway, but not us. We have two cars in the driveway, but neither one works right now. You asked if I lived on a farm, probably because of the burrow. Parentheses. Still named Will! Exclamation point. Parentheses. The truth is, it's like living in town, but the difference is that we don't have zoning like they do on the other side of the river. So at the end of the block, a fellow has about five cows in his backyard. Some have chickens, and now I have the burrow. Most people don't have animals, though. They just keep junk in their yards, like their old cars and old fencing, tires, and sometimes sinks or things like that. My dad said the more junk they have, the more no trespassing signs they have. We laughed about that. My dad could be funny sometimes. He would say he hoped someone did trespass us and give us a spring cleaning. In the west side, which is the real town, they would make you get rid of the junk, but they make you get rid of the animals, too. I do like my will. He runs right over as soon as I open the door and talks to me and roots around for food, which he's pretty serious over. He likes to be scratched behind the ears, and if I do that, he'll put his head almost on my shoulder, so I'll have Lorny take a picture of that and send as attachment. He has these very long whiskers sticking out from his muzzle, like a cat or something. I didn't never know that burrows have whiskers. Lorny gave him a pickle, and of course he ate that right up. I fed him apples the other day, too, but I'm still saving the pears for myself. One a day. Sincerely, Grace. Dear Will, How was the meeting with your wife? Parentheses. Ex-wife. Parentheses. Well... I decided to be brave and invite you to my house on Saturday, since that's the day you don't work. Do you want to come? I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Grace. Will, I'm not sure what you mean. If it's not the right time, when will it be? I think you shouldn't have tried the service if your main goal was still to get back with your wife. Grace. Will, I'm not sure what you mean. If it's not the right time, when will it be? I think you shouldn't have tried the service if your main goal was still to get back with your wife. Grace. Will, if the reason is not your wife, then maybe you should tell me what it is. I thought it was honesty all the way with you, 
Now I'm not so sure. Maybe later you'll want to write again. There's just one thing I want to tell you. I read that Ozzie Guillen, parentheses, spelling, parentheses, called a reporter a F asterisk, percentage sign, dollar sign, pound sign, pound sign, which I won't repeat. Even the White Sox people are mad with him. Maybe he's not the great guy you think he is. Then again, he says what's on his mind, don't he? At least he don't keep things from people. Unlike some others, a man's not honest unless he says the whole of the truth, that's what I believe. Let's just forget it for now. Grace. Dear Will, I'm sorry that I was a little angry at you. I do like reading your letters, and you say you like reading mine, and it's not honest to say I don't want to hear from you. I think about it every day, not every minute. I have a lot of other things going on. But then I said I wasn't going to write anymore, and I couldn't stop thinking of writing. I'm used to it, I guess. And I feel like I really want to see you. So I have to ask, is it really not your wife? Don't you want to see me? And if not, why not? Grace. Dear Will, Don't be ridiculous. I'm sorry for what I said, but I don't even remember it. It feels like a long time ago, and I remember that I just said I wasn't expecting the way you looked in your picture. That doesn't mean anything. I don't want you to lose weight. In fact, I pretty much can't stop thinking about you. It's probably too soon to say something like that, but it's blown up in my mind because you won't see me. I love you. I hope that's okay to say. P.S. Now they're sending Ozzy to sensitivity training. What do you think of that? I think you couldn't change him. He shouldn't have said what he said, but he's not like the president and so on, who just read what people tell them to. And humans make mistakes. I guess you'll agree with me. Grace. Dear Will, Thank you for your letter. First, I want to say that you don't have to say that you love me or that you feel like you might just because I said it, but I appreciate it. I guess from what you say, you're trying to explain why you would feel that way. It seems crazy since we've never met each other. Maybe this is just how it happens. People just kind of know. Maybe we can see each other soon, parentheses, question mark, Exclamation point, exclamation point, parentheses. It's your call. Grace. Dear Will, Okay, I do want to give you the directions, but I have something pretty terrible to tell you first. It's bad enough that it might change if we can go ahead with this, and you don't know how sad that makes it. I still have hope, but I know it might be foolish to even have it. Lorne came home from work, and I could hear him and Debbie fighting. Then he came over through the passage, and he was crying. It seems like Debbie found all the AA papers, which I asked Dad about, and he said he was putting them in a garbage bag in the dumpster. I was clear about it, and he promised, and I even saw a bag I thought was it in the dumpster, But even though they were all in the bag, a big black hefty, he didn't throw the papers out, and it was something else he stuffed in the dumpster. The papers he stuffed back under some board games in the closet. I can't think why. Anyway, when Debbie moved, she brought some things in black hefty bags and put them in that closet too, and then opened it up thinking it was her bag, and you can't really blame her. She started to read them. In there was Dad's AA papers, like I said, and like I told you, he did a lot of writing out of these things. One paper said, Ask forgiveness for what I did to Grace and for my son, Lorne. When Lorne came to me with that one, he was just crying and sobbing. What I did was I lied. I'm not sure why I did this, but I said, 
That's some mistake of Grandpa's. He only meant by it that he was like a father to you. Then why does he say, for what I did to Grace? I know what you said, Will. You have to start with the truth. This is what I tried to do with you, and writing you has been one of the best things to happen to me, and I'm pretty sure I'm about to tell you something that will screw it up. I'm crying while I'm typing this, but I accept whatever happens. But I told a story. I said, What I did to Grace is because your father wanted to stay with you, but Grandpa made him go away. He was so mad I had you out of wedlock. Parentheses. I actually said, quote, wasn't married, quote, parentheses. And then he gave me one of his very black looks that I hardly ever get from him. And he said, if that's true, then what is my father's name? And where is he? And what do you know about him? Well, he's asked these things before, but now he could look up any name on this computer with Google, which you probably know. Sometimes with those things, you can pay for phone numbers and really find someone. So this time I felt like I had to say something. So I gave him your name, first and last. I know you might be angry with me. What I think will happen is that you won't ever come to see me now because there would be a whole lie around you. That's what your wife did, and that's why you hate women, and now you'll hate me too. I didn't want to mess it up. What I think I tried to do was just make up something that I wish was true, but I did it for Lorny. He really did love my dad, and I want him to have that and not ruin it. I felt it was the right thing. I'm almost sure you won't. I understand. Grace. Dear Will, exclamation point, take North Avenue, 62, to where it meets Highway 4, and that's a traffic light. Go left, and then over the bridge, and then left on Mill, 22 is the number. Lorny's looking over my shoulder. He says, just use MapQuest. I can't wait to see you. And Lorne is looking forward to meeting you. He wondered if I already told you you're about to be a grandfather. I know it's not Thanksgiving, but I'm going to make a turkey with dressing and cranberry. I hope you like that, and I just figured who doesn't. And of course, let's not forget my burrow, still called Will as of now. I promised you could pick the name. Lorne says, why not a white sock, which is okay if you want. I have an idea of who you could pick. Love, Grace. Molly, what a beautiful story. Oh, thank you. I love how you use language. I love the epistolary style. I love how you leave the title as something that's going to happen in the future with their relationship. And I'm just wondering, what was going on in your life when you wrote this story? Hmm. It was springtime. Um, I always get a lot of ideas in the spring. Sometimes I'll go a whole year without an idea, but then when spring comes and it's warm, suddenly I, I want to, I, I have ideas and I'm willing to entertain them. So I remember that. Um, I was reading Van Gogh's letters and I was reading a book by Marilyn Robinson called Gilead. Um, people might know that. It's um, also in the epistolary style. So that those letters were sort of in my head. Mm-hmm. The, it, I mean, this is nothing at all like that. But it's um, the, those, the letter format was sort of in my head. And, you know, Van Gogh, um, he wrote uh, mainly to his brother, mm-hmm. a lot of times asking for money, but also describing things mm-hmm. around him. And there's such um, sort of um, sincerity and love of life and the landscape in those letters, you know? Um, so I, I feel like that was, I was sort of just kind of brimming with that mm-hmm. uh, when I started to write this or had the idea for this one. I uh, would like to say, I get a lot of email and I don't necessarily love that about my life, but I would love to get email from Grace. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, She is the best yeah. emailer I've ever read mm-hmm. in my entire life. And I get about a hundred email a week, so uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering. Her name is Grace, and she's a gracious 
writer. Right. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to create Grace. Um, well, uh, she's, she, she is based on someone I knew uh, pretty, pretty loosely, I'd say. Not, not all the details of her story, but someone who um, seemed to have had a pretty hard life, but was um, just sort of genuine and kind and sort of um, open to things and, and also like curious about life and engaged in life in a way that I couldn't understand um, because I've had so much privilege myself compared to this person. You know, I just felt, um, I just had some kind of wonder at the way that she was able to look at things. Mm-hmm. She yeah. is gracious. She is graceful in plain sight and a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And incest is also in plain sight in this story. That's right. I'm wondering yeah. if you could talk about that theme and how you decided to tackle it. Well, I never would have thought, oh, I want to write a story about that. And in fact, you know, I mean, when I was starting to read short stories and uh, and to read novels a little more seriously, um, there was kind of a trend for for books like that, you know, um, books about incest or books where you keep reading and there's some secret and then that's what's finally revealed, you mm-hmm. know? So I never would have wanted to do that because I thought that trend was kind of distasteful. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, um, well, where I grew up in the country, there were lots of rumors about people. You, you never knew if they were true um, there were just things people said about people sort of offhandedly. It was never really anything that was labored over, but, um, and those were, those were among other rumors, you know, rumors of incest, rumors of bestiality, those kinds of mm-hmm. things, you know, country people, they oh. have those <laughs> stories, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I mean, I guess because this character was a country person, I, I sort of, you know, um, came up with that as part of her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to say that you write so smoothly that I don't feel tricked or like, oh, she's going to do this at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Is that an intentional writing style for you? Or is it, a, is it a talent that you were born with? Because sometimes you'll read a short story and you know you're going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. And it happens. But here, it's so flowing. And I noticed there's a little water theme, by the way. Oh, she describes yeah, I the guess water. that's true. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm, so my question is, you write like water. Do you have a intentional way of writing that the shocking news is more, it comes to you through water-like substance or what am I trying to say? Oh, I think I know what you're saying. I mean, I think I could answer that. I think like some stories might come to me like water and some aren't. Some mm-hmm. are very, some I have to kind of labor over, but this one was a little easier. Um, once I knew that it was going to be this sort of love story, but it would be, it would take place with these emails. Mm-hmm. I started to feel like I, it just sort of took off on its own, you know, mm-hmm what was going to happen. I don't usually, I'm not very good with plot, you know, (laughs) but where there's a love interest, um, that's a little easier because, because that's just a common, it's a common plot and everybody kind of, even though we kind of know it's going to happen, what's going to happen, there'll be a complication, then they'll get together or a Mm -hmm. complication and they'll break apart. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much the trajectory of every love story, we still bear with it, I think, because it's kind of so central to who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You have a great way of reading. Uh, you're a natural actress. And, and I know you have theater training. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh-huh. What I'm wondering, with the training, with the writing, with the seamless way that you have this kind of scary story, when does she fall in love with him? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, let me try to remember. She says she's happy one day yeah, just for no reason, but she can't quite figure it out. So I, I think that's, you know, that, that letter to me seems to be when she's sort of, sort of filling up with that uh, hope and possibility that you have when you're starting to 
become enamored of somebody. I, I yeah. actually think that too. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's going to be different for different readers and different listeners. And what was it like as Molly to write Grace falling in love and having someone fall in love with her? Were you, this is why I'm asking about your theater oh, background, able mm. to put yourself in that situation. I know as writers, we always put ourselves in the situation of our characters, but you seem to go, you really go in. Yeah, I really sort of feel my way from the character, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why some stories that I write don't have much in the way of plot, I think, mm-hmm. because I could just go with that. I, I pretty much cleave to whatever comes to me th- through the character, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, so I mean, I felt that. And I felt, you know, like I think um, there's a natural spring thing, you know. you, you f- Everything's warming up, opening up, you know. Um, you can get this feeling even if you're um, older, you know, you feel like some sort of hope and possibility. And I think especially like um, people who are open to love at some moment in their lives that, that this all seems to sort of um, mirror it or embody it, mm-hmm. you know, that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that he gives her pears. And I know <laughs> that she loves that he gives her food instead of flowers. And I'm wondering if we could talk about some of the more unusual gifts you've received over the years from boyfriends or your husband or... Oh, my husband's a really good gift giver, you know, (laughs) Um, a thoughtful gift giver. And he takes a lot of time to sort of think about what I might like. And in fact, like we have a little (laughs) joking story that when we first started dating and it was first maybe Christmas time, he doesn't celebrate Christmas and um, but, but gave me a gift, you know, like a holiday, like a, because I did gave me a Christmas gift. I, it it was a very elaborately woven Guatemalan sweater from a, you know, fair trade shop or something. And, um, I gave him pens, a couple (laughs) pens, ballpoint or something. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I figured he wrote, he might need pens, you know, so, and it kind of continues like that. He's, mm-hmm. he comes up with very thoughtful things and I'm, I've tried, you, you have to sort of learn the language of the other person. And so, um, I, I now realize that he, it matters to him what kind of gift he, he's given. Mm-hmm. And so I try a little harder, <laughs> but actually I've been very fortunate. He's given me a lot of nice gifts like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think pens are an excellent gift. Well, by the way. yeah, they weren't fancy fountain pens okay. though, with the you know ink cartridges and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, going back to Grace, she's getting her GED. Did she get it? She's getting it. I don't think she gets it in okay. the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Going forward, do you think she gets it? I would think so. Will there ever be a sequel yeah. to this story? No, I don't think. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah, and I've had people ask me, well, then what happens? And it, it always surprises me because I really feel I've ended it, you know, mm-hmm. just with this letter giving the directions. That to me is a clear end, and mm-hmm. I don't ever kind of try to imagine beyond mm-hmm. what I think, you know. Um, yeah, who knows? But um, I suppose that this is the, there is a possibility for for it to go either way mm-hmm. at the end, but I don't think that way. I think I ended it happily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she is, or she's on her way to getting the GED. She's in that mid process. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your own education. I want to go all the way back to when you were a little girl because okay. you are an instructor mm-hmm. and you've had some amazing education. So I want to learn about what kind of student you were when you were little. Were you focused? Were you a good learner? Did you love school? Were you a writer? Were you an actress? Were you rowdy? Well, I think I, you know, I jumped through the hoops that I had to jump through when I was smaller, Mm -hmm. you know? I wanted people to like me or be a good girl or whatever. And then uh, sometime in high school, that kind of ended. And I started thinking, I just want to study what I'm interested in. That continued, you know, through my whole life, but it kind of looked, I think it might have been disappointing for my parents or something. You know, I was getting good grades and then suddenly they weren't all that good anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But actually, I did, it occurred to me that I could actually just be interested in things and read uh, about those things and study those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that always stayed with me, you know. Um, 
and then I was less interested in, in jumping through the hoops that you'd have to jump through for school. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us where you went to school. Tell us about your, tell us what the name of your high school is Oh, I was. went to Oregon High School. It's in Oregon, Illinois. Mm-hmm. That, that's, um, you know, well, I think listeners would know where it is if they're okay. local. <laughs> if they're, yes. Yeah. And where'd you go to college? And I went to Illinois State University as a theater major, as Yay. an undergraduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would not say that I got a good education there, but their right. theater program was is well. I don't know. Everybody who has a theater program says that it's pretty good, uh, or very good, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they'll list like somebody who <laughs> went on to get famous. I don't really know. I mean, uh, it taught me some things, and um, I'm sure that part of what I do when I write. Is, is, comes from that training. One thing is that you had to make a fool out of yourself all the time, mm-hmm. you know, getting in front of people. Um, and so I think that was probably not wasted. But some of it I feel like was wasted. I feel like I wish I would have um, really studied something instead mm-hmm. of theater. I mean, uh, I don't know. There's so little you actually learn. You're on your feet, you know, but um, I don't know. I'm physically awkward. I don't really feel... I never really felt like I kind of fit in there, you know. That's um, terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's a tragedy. It's a real tragedy. But sometimes <laughs> you find your way, you know, to the next thing through not really succeeding at one thing. Totally agree. Yeah. But theater is supposed mm-hmm. to be for everyone and a very uniting, collaborative art discipline. Yeah, I think ideally it would be, you okay. know. I think ideally it would be, and but that was I not just your didn't. Experience? It wasn't really my experience of it, but um, you know, I know that I went to school. I met some really good friends that I still have from from going to school there. Well, I would yeah. love to see you in a play. You're an excellent <laughs> voice actress, so I would love to see yeah. more of this side yeah. of you. So I'm going to pursue that just to warn mm-hmm. you. Okay. <laughs> um, tell us about grad school. It must have well, gotten better for uh, you. Yeah. So I. Um, I went to, I got a master's in linguistics at NIU. Mm -hmm. Um, And, well, actually, it's a master's in English with a focus in teaching English as a second language, which requires a lot of linguistics classes. And I really got interested in linguistics for a while and thought that maybe I wanted to get a PhD in linguistics and sort of like dabbled in that for a little while. Um, And then... uh, I just remember having this realization, and again, I think it was springtime, that I I sort of had to choose between doing that kind of work and writing, and I just thought, I I just don't want to do both. I want to write, and I there's not a clear path for it. You know, to get a PhD in linguistics, you took this step and then the next one, and it was very clearly laid out, and to 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 write, you know, it was pretty murky and it has been you know Mm -hmm. but um but I just made a decision that that was not for me and um yeah and then I decided in a sort of um higgledy piggledy fashion Mm -hmm. (laughs) to pursue to pursue that instead Mm -hmm. how long have you been an instructor um well um let's see 15 years now Mm -hmm. yeah what do you love about teaching oh I really I do I I like a lot of things about it but mostly my students so um I do teach one class in fiction every year um it's an undergraduate class in fiction writing and I enjoy that a lot but um mainly I teach um just basic composition classes to both undergraduate and graduate students at, at Northern Illinois University and um I mostly work, because I have the linguistics background and stuff, I mostly work with um, international students. Oh, and I didn't so, know. That's great. yeah, they're really interesting. They're fun. I learn a lot from them. And um, I really enjoy being around them. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's an easy job for me because I like what I'm doing when mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And it doesn't, I also think if I did fiction all the time, and I do know people that have the full time job you know, teaching fiction, and they have to teach less than I do, but it's the kind of the same energy that you're putting into that work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like telling people how to use a comma, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, or, you know, how, how to match the verb with the, um, 
subject of a sentence or something simple like that. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't take away from my own thinking. You know, I understand. it's not a creative drain or anything. Okay, I love yeah. to hear that. Yeah, I am curious. What do you love about writing? Oh. I love everything about writing. I just feel so grateful to be able to do it when I can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't written for probably about a year, and I'm starting again. Mm-hmm. And um, I just forgot how much I like it, you know? I mean, it, it's really... Um, you, you put everything in life into it, you know? Like everything you watch and see and, and feel and and... And everything you experience, you know, it, it potentially could be wound into your work mm-hmm. at some point. And it also gets me interested in reading all these other interesting things since I've been doing um, more historical stuff lately. So I'm sort of combining those sort of feeling things with um, details of things I'm reading. And I'm trying to imagine myself back in the past, you know, in these lives of these different characters. So it's sort of that thing that we all have that fascination of, you know, you go to um, Colonial Williamsburg or something and you want to imagine what would it be like to be in that space, you know. Mm -hmm. So I love that about it too. Next week you'll read La Pulchra Nota and the two weeks after that I'm hoping that you'll share your newer work. Yes. Are sure. you still willing to do that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, is there anything you'd like to tell your listeners that we didn't touch in uh, from the story or from your education, from your perspective, anything? Oh, I don't know. Do you think the listeners are, re- are writers themselves? I do. Yeah. <laughs> we have about 200 listeners uh-huh. per episode. Yeah. That's great. So I want to just say, just keep your pencil moving. <laughs> That's probably the, you know, it's the thing. Like you get kind of morose about not writing or what you've done or haven't done or being successful or not being successful. But when you develop a habit, even if it's a little habit of doing it every day or three days a week or whatever it is, you fall into that and you stop being so morose about it. You're just, you're not looking for the result as much as you are enjoying the process of it. So that's, you know, lately what's been dawning on me since I'm back into it. You know, I I don't um, brood as much and I think everybody can um, benefit from that. So just get yourself a little habit, sit down, have your tea or your coffee. Don't let yourself get up for a little while. And keep doing that. That's great. Yeah. Um, Dan Klofstad was our January author. He says he writes for the ear. Sharon Nesbitt Davis was our February author. She says she writes for the heart. I forgot to ask the question of Dan Libman, and I'm very sorry. Oh, the funny bone. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Probably. And uh, Bahia El Shabazz was our April author. She says she writes for her younger self. And now oh. I'll ask you. That's such a question. I feel like I have to ponder it. Can I think about it and answer it the next time I talk to you? Because like somebody already took heart, which is what I might have said. (laughs) But I don't want to repeat. I don't want to be, you know, I don't Mm want to come up with the same answer. But maybe that's true for me too. But I want to think about it. Can I think about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Last week you said you don't dabble. When you do something, you do it, you go all in. I certainly say it with your writing. I know it's true of your yoga experience. I want to know a couple other things that you don't dabble in that you just go all in with. Well, I I think I did that with linguistics for a while when I was doing it. You know, I was kind of, that was what I was going to do. And I, it didn't occur to me that I could do other things while I was doing it. I would just do that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and when my kids were little, maybe everybody feels like this, but I, I couldn't do any other things. I couldn't even really clean my house, you know, when I had, when my kids were little, Uh, that sort of overwhelmed me and sometimes in a really wonderful way, you know, um, but I couldn't, well, I say that and I went to grad school, um, I went to grad school for writing. I got my MFA when my son was an infant, so Mm -hmm. so I did, (laughs) but I think I probably applied for that school because I knew that I wouldn't keep writing it once I had my son if I didn't, if I wasn't, if I didn't have to do it, like for a grad program or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last question. Will you consider being in a play or a play reading in your future? Would you consider doing that? You know, my daughter 
she acts and sings. She's got a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And um, I, she always says that we should do a community thing together, you know, and, like a, and get like mother-daughter parts or something like that. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I've really never had the um, yearning to like be on stage again or to do anything like that again. In fact, I feel like it's healthier for me not to be like I I don't feel like that's a healthy part of me that wants to like get all the attention and everything Mm -hmm. like that you know Mm -hmm. but if I did it with my daughter it would be that would be different because she would be the shining star and Mm -hmm. I'd just be there humbly in her wake (laughs) (laughs) wonderful um okay this has been a joy I can't wait me too wonderful (laughs) will you come back next week with La Poca Nota oh sure I will and a baguette and a chunk of cheese fabulous (laughs) you'll know what that means Um, All right, Molly McNutt thank you so much see you in a week my pleasure bye the Guilty Pleasures podcast is made possible by Rockford Writers Guild Rockford Area Arts Council The Shumway and you our listeners Subscribe to Guilty Pleasures on iTunes or Google Play, or download podcasts from our website, rockfordwritersguild.org. Email feedback to editor at rockfordwritersguild.org. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Rockford Writers Guild, and Instagram and Twitter at Guilty Pleasures. Thank you for listening. This is your producer, Jesse Kuntz. Now go write.